Grace to you and peace from God our Father and from the Lord Jesus Christ. Please be seated. You know, recently in sermons we had from our bishop and from Father Kevin, we've been talking about very often we're coming to feel as Christians more and more sometimes as strangers in our own land, not quite fitting in the same way. Especially those of us who work in the secular world, we feel more and more of that, a sense of sometimes being cut off and being strangers. It's not that the world just doesn't embrace us. It's that the world is becoming increasingly hostile, it seems. So we can really identify with Elijah. Remember in 1 Kings 18, Elijah had just finished his victory over the prophets of Baal at Mount Carmel, and Jezebel is persecuting him. And he goes off, and he seems all alone before God, and he says... I've been very jealous for the Lord, the God of hosts, for the people of Israel have forsaken your covenant, thrown down your altars, and killed your prophets with the sword. And I, even I, only am left. I, even I, only am left. Well, that's not really the end of the story. The Lord gently corrects Elijah five verses later and says, well, there are actually 7,000 Israel who are still faithful, but he leaves a go at that. But also the same thing is true for us. As we're reminded, if you see on the bulletin cover, that line from Hebrews, that we're surrounded by a great cloud of witnesses. It says, therefore, in Hebrews, therefore, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and sin which clings to us so closely, and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us. So who had, who is this, who's in this cloud of witnesses? Who are they? Well, in the context of the letter to the Hebrews, it's the great men and women who obeyed God in the Old Testament. We specifically mention Abraham and Sarah, for example, Joshua and Rahab. We have a whole list of the great saints, David, Samuel, the prophets, that are listed. But for us in the church, in addition to those great witnesses of the Old Testament, we have all the saints of the church. In addition to them, we have the saints of the church. That's why today is their feast, the Feast of All Saints. So first of all, what does it mean to be a saint? Well, saint is simply another word for holy. The Latin word sanctus, it becomes saint. Saint means, simply means something that's holy. And what does the Bible tell us about holiness? Well, holiness, something, a holy thing is something that's associated or set apart for God. Remember, Moses is told, because God is there, when he first approached on the mountain, take off your, your, your sandals, you're on holy ground. The inner sanctuary is called the holy place, and the innermost part was called the holy of holies, associated with God. And people were holy if they were set apart for God. Remember, the high priest wore on his turban, going into the, going into the holy of holies, a turban that had a gold plate that said, holy to the Lord, set apart for God, holy to the Lord. So then, who are the saints? Well, first of all, us. We are the saints. All who are baptized into Christ have been set apart for God. Remember, we've been studying 1 Peter in this wonderful series we've just finished, and it says, but you are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people of his own possession, belonging to God, set apart for God. You know, all of us who are baptized into Christ are holy, are made saints, are holy, set apart to God. This is why a wonderful part in the baptismal ceremony is after the, the immersion, we have the bishop anoints and says, you know, be, you're sealed with the Holy Spirit. You are marked as God's own forever. Like that high priest, holy to the Lord forever. 
This is why the term saint, which is common in the New Testament, is always used to just regular believers. We're not referred to as Christians, we're referred to as saints. Contribute to the needs of the saints and seek to show hospitality in Romans 12. To the saints who are at Ephesus, right? We could go on. There are 46 references. It's the regular way we describe Christians, the ones who are holy to the Lord. Now, Paul teaches us in 1 Corinthians that each Eucharist, when we gather at the table, God makes us one body with him and with each other. He's the head of his body, but we are its members. And we are brought together in Holy Eucharist. That's what happens. 1 Corinthians 11, Paul tells us, the cup of blessing that we bless, is it not a participation in the blood of Christ? The bread that we break, is it not a participation in the body of Christ? Because there is one bread, we who are many are one body, for we all partake of the one bread. This is why we have the invitation to communion. We sadly translate it, the gifts of God for the people of God. The actual Greek and Latin is holy things for holy people. The holy for the holy. Holy things for holy people. Now, just as important, this communion that we have, that we enter into in baptism, that is cemented every Eucharist, is not broken by death. It continues. That's the doctrine of the communion of saints that we have in our creed. It's so basic, it's one of the basic things we have at our baptism. We proclaim that we believe in the communion of saints. What that means is we believe that we become one body in the Eucharist, and that body is never broken, even by death. We remain one body. We're actually reminded every Eucharist that we're in communion with the saints who've gone before us. You remember that we start every Eucharist, in every tradition of the church, the Eucharistic prayer begins with holy, 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 reminding us we are going to the most sacred of spaces, threefold holy, God. Remember that image in Isaiah, the heavenly court, the image we have in Apocalypse. We are entering into the actual presence of God. But it's not us. We're reminded that we say, therefore we praise you, joining our voices with angels and archangels, and with all the company of heaven, who forever sing this hymn to proclaim the glory of your name. We never do Eucharist alone. It's with all Christians around the world across the ages we join together in that place. So it's both the church militant, that's what we call it, the church that is still fighting the good fight that Paul talked about, but also the church triumphant that has victory in the blood of the Lamb. Both together celebrate every Eucharist. So every Sunday in the Apostles' Creed we proclaim our belief in the communion of saints. We're saying that we believe that Christ has called us in baptism to be holy, that we have been set aside for him forever. We believe in Eucharist, we're drawn together with each other and with him, and that communion is not broken by death. The prophet Elijah believed he was all alone in his faithfulness to God, but God revealed to him there were many, many others he did not know. We too are tempted to feel alone but we are surrounded by a cloud of witnesses. First of all, the Christians around us, including those faith, whose faith is known to God alone. Every day we cross people we don't know. They are faithful, but their faith is known to God alone. Christians throughout the world, all of us who are celebrating, and Christians throughout the ages. So how do we fully live into this truth? I think it's by heeding the Apostle Paul's call. He tells us, that we should walk in a manner worthy of the calling to which you've been called, with all humility and gentleness, with patience, bearing with one another in love, eager to maintain the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. 
the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you all.